over the course of the last year or so, two of the Presbyterian women's circles have been using a PCUSA curriculum about Sabbath to reflect on different aspects of this practice and commandment. So today we're going to just dip our toes in the water a bit and join them in that reflection. And our passage is Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. Keep the Sabbath day and treat it as holy, exactly as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your oxen or donkeys or any of your animals, or the immigrant who is living among you, so that your male and female servants can rest just like you. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Next to the last commandment about not coveting or not wanting what other people have, I think the Sabbath commandment is the most countercultural commandment for us today. When you get into the nitty gritty of any of the commandments, they get challenging and complicated and push us to think carefully about how we live. But the twin engines of our economic way of life, and therefore our whole way of life, are wanting and working. We want, and so we work, and so we want, and so we work, and it is killing us and the earth. And then there's this, this inconvenient command that doesn't fit with any of that, with a whole different claim on our loyalty, a whole different framework for life. Rest, a life that revolves around rest, regular rest. A life where rest is not just for the leftover time, for the increasingly small margins of white space in our calendars. A life where rest is our beginning and our end, week in and week out. And notice, it's not rest for the purpose of more productivity later. There are countless books and articles and TikTok videos about how if you would do a little less, you can be more effective, more efficient, more productive. By doing less, we'll actually have more. That is not the Sabbath commandment. The point of Sabbath is really to do less. 
for less's sake, to do nothing for a whole day. Which raises the question, what exactly do we mean by nothing? No house projects, even if we enjoy them, which I don't, but I hear other people do. No reading, no cooking. Can I send my children out to forage? The commandment says, don't do any work. But what exactly is work? What about work we enjoy? What about work that makes us anxious to leave it undone? What about just that one little thing, if I could just get that thing done? What about work that someone else has to do in order for us to have leisure? It gets tricky. This is why folks who are most observant of Sabbath tend to have the most rules. Because once we start seriously trying to figure out what is work and what isn't, it gets complicated awfully quickly. I think this is a situation where knowing the why behind the how helps us. There are two reasons given in the Bible for Sabbath. There are two sets of the Ten Commandments, one in Exodus and one that we read from in Deuteronomy. The first in Exodus says that we are to rest because God rested. We are made in the image of the God who rested. God made all of creation in six days and then rested. How did we come to think we could work more, or should work more, than God? We rest because we're made to. If you need a divine permission slip to do less, this is it. You were made in the image of God who rests. But there's another reason. In Exodus, it says we rest because God rested. In Deuteronomy, which we read today, the reason is different. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. But the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath. Rest says God, because I set you free. Rest and liberation are inextricably bound together. Although Sabbath hasn't always felt like freedom, with our Puritan roots, Sabbath has often felt like a day of don't. Don't read, don't play, don't have fun. Don't. And when it's like that, Sabbath can be oppressive 
And it used to be our whole culture was shaped around this kind of Sabbath. But that changed. The church no longer has the same hold over the national culture, which I think is largely a good thing for the nation and for the church. But it has made practicing Sabbath harder. Because when every day is like every other day, there is no rest. Once stores started to be open on Sundays, people who work in retail and service jobs don't get a break. There's money to be made, and where there is money to be made, work must be done. Workers with fancier jobs may have more power to say, I'm going to take a day off. But the pressure to be available is still intense. And workers who have to work two or three jobs just to pay the bills don't have the luxury of saying to the scheduler, I don't work that day. Where there's money to be made, there can't be rest for any of us. Work and consumption are tied up together. One of the most striking things about the Sabbath commandment is how inclusive, how expansive it is. Adults are supposed to rest. Kids are supposed to rest. Our slaves and servants are supposed to rest. Most of us don't have servants in any traditional sense, but we are served by the barista at Starbucks and the person who loads our groceries at Kroger and the people who labor in the Amazon warehouses and the people who work around the globe in near slave conditions to satisfy that endless appetite. So maybe we could retranslate that section to read, workers should rest, and immigrants should rest, and donkeys, and oxen, and all animals, and the land gets to rest. All of us need rest. And it all has to be tied together because when some of us get to rest and others of us don't, it's no kind of rest at all. Sabbath, like all of scripture-based life, is intended to be lived communally. The ship has sailed on a state-mandated Judeo-Christian day of rest. And I think that is a good thing. We do not want our religious practice to be legislated. But I do think a Sabbath ethic can shape what laws and practices we advocate for as Christians. 
Someone in Bible study on Tuesday morning asked if companies are required to give a day off each week. Not a particular day, just a day. They're not. In fact, we have no nationwide mandate, even for rest breaks or meal breaks. There's a patchwork system, and some states have those laws, but in Virginia, workers do not have the right to a meal break or rest break. They are dependent on the benevolence of the company. So that might be a starting place for a Sabbath ethic. A Sabbath ethic could look like generous, paid family and personal and sick leave. It could look like generous, paid vacation and the encouragement and expectation that we would actually take that vacation. It could look like wages that support a reasonable livelihood so people don't have to work two and three jobs just to pay the bills. This is thinking about Sabbath expansively, which is what I think Jesus was often trying to get us to do. Now, legislative change is big and slow and hard. But many of us also have power in our daily lives over others. Some of us supervise others, adults or students. Some of us serve on boards of various organizations or have some other leadership role in a paid position or a volunteer position. If you do, do you advocate for the most generous leave, for the most regular rest for the people under you? Do you expect the people over whom you have influence to always be available or to have some rest in their rhythm? And then, of course, we want this in our personal lives, too. And the practice doesn't have to be perfect to be powerful. We want us to hear that. Sabbath can be guilt-inducing. It doesn't have to be perfect to be powerful. Pick a day. Christians have traditionally picked Sundays, Jews pick Saturdays, but our culture is so fragmented. If Tuesday is the day you work the least, then Tuesday is fine. And imagine, what would freedom feel like? What would rest feel like? What could you do less of. Not so that you can do more later, just less. The practice doesn't have to be perfect 
to be powerful. It is not about guilt. It is about liberation. Any movement toward freedom is a movement toward God. Because this is the good news. We were made in the image of the God who rests. And that God works for freedom, for liberation in our lives and in the life of the world. And our task, if there is one, is to sink day by day deeper into that promised rest. Amen.